this past January, I went, many of you will remember, I went to, um, to California to do missionary coaching training so that we could each be assigned a missionary to be able to pray for, to be able to coach through their fundraising process. Well, uh, this couple went out there as well, and so we traveled together. Sweet Helen bought our airline tickets and uh, helped us get out there, so that was pretty awesome. I didn't have to worry about all the paperwork, and so Sweet Helen did that. But um, today, I, I want us to receive, I want us to open up our minds, open up our ears, our spirits, our hearts to receive of the ministry that these two have um, and that th- they are bringing. We will have them Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night as well at 7 o'clock. And then at the end of each service, we're also going to be receiving a special offering for them because that's how they do what they do. They travel really all over the United States, mainly mainly east of the Mississippi, but really they travel all over uh teaching, encouraging the church, Um, and so I'm excited about your ministry. So I'm going to have both of them come and um, just to be able to greet us this morning. Good morning. God is so good to us, isn't he? It's, It's good to feel in your spirit and excitement every time you go to the house of the Lord. It isn't just a place you have some friends. It isn't just a place where you hear your pastor say a few good things, but it's a place where God speaks to you, teaches you, and builds good connections to reinforce that we can live godly, we can expect miracles, and we can be healed from some of the things that have been so hard in our life. So we're glad to be a part of what God's doing here and invest into your uh, your minds and your spirits today. And thank you for preparing for this with your prayers and with your attentiveness and your attendance. God bless you guys. It's so good to be back with you. We love you dearly. We pray for you all the time. Jonathan has the same name as I do. Beloved of God, gifted of God, and yet we're still humble, aren't we, brother? Yes, indeed. (laughs) Amen. And I'm proud of it. (laughs) No, no. God is so gracious to us. And uh, the the theme scripture, and I probably won't even refer to it much, but I want you to get it into your heart today. Uh, it basically is found in two places in the Bible, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. Isaiah 40, verse 4 and 5. I want you to get this in your spirit because this is going to take care of your whole life, everything you ever need, everything that needs to be healed or delivered or repaired. It's included in this verse. And it's also found in Luke 3, 5 and 6. But we'll we'll go with the Isaiah uh, version of it because that's when it was given first. And in Luke, it's it's stating it as if it's being fulfilled in our midst today. Every valley shall be exalted. I don't know where your low places are. I don't know where the pits are, the pitfalls. I don't know where the places are that you maybe stumbled or you can't get up out of it. I don't know what's happening in your whole family. But God says every valley shall be brought up and exalted. I'm going to take care of the hole in your life. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Some of you are facing insurmountable, we say in our language, insurmountable problems and challenges, and and some of it's in our own family, some of it's with finances, some of it actually is with physical sicknesses that need a miracle. Every mountain that somehow has grown up to be bigger than God is in your eyesight, God says, I'm going to bring those down so you can see me again for who I am. Aren't you glad God didn't tell us to go dig the mountains down? Praise God for that. 
every crooked place. Believe it or not, there will be people in this building that have some places that are crooked. They're not actually straight. They're not precise. They're not on target with God. There's people that have done crooked things to you. There's things in your life that are just out of joint, out of, out of sync. Jesus says in this verse, I'm going to make everything straight for you again. Because he says, I want you to be able to walk the straight and narrow path. And God, I want to thank you. You'll take anything that's crooked, bent, distorted, twisted, perverted in our lives, whether it be in us or around us, this is the day where you're going to straighten it out for us. In Jesus' name. By the way, some of the parents in here should, should be saying amen because you've always asked God to straighten, straighten your kids out. Well, this is, a, this is a loving straighten out. This isn't slapping them, uh, shaking them, and putting them in the corner. This is a God who will lovingly straighten out our mess. Amen. Thank you, Father. And also, he says, in any rough places, some of you going through some rough times right now. I mean rough. And you cry and you hurt and you pray and you believe and you praise God and that's all wonderful. I just hear my father saying, I'm coming to make the rough places smooth. I'm going to make it smooth for you. Oh, Brother John, we don't like that easyism, grace. No, this isn't easyism. This is God smooth. How many of you know God is smooth? Amen. And so, God, we thank you that you're about to do that in the midst of this uh, great congregation of believers. And, and in the verse 5 there, uh, it just simply says, And when all these things happen, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And I love this part. All flesh will be able to see it together. God's about to do something that the whole church is going to see together. I mean, we're going to witness this thing <clears throat> and be in awe, but the glory of God's about to overwhelm every place that has been infected by the satanic powers and against us and in our lives. The good news with that is, too, the world is going to see it with us. The day has come where God is actually going to so reveal himself and who he is and disprove false gods and idols and images and spirits of antichrist that saturate our nation right now. God is about to bring those things down and reveal his glory so we get to see it by participation. The world, if they don't come to Jesus Christ, will only see it by observation. I don't want you to be one of those that have to always see what God's doing and not have it happening in your life. God, we declare today that we are participators. In the last day moving of God, we will not be grandstanders and observers only, but we will be right in the middle of it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. How many of you desire that? <clears throat> Jesus comes to his disciples and he asks them, he says, uh, are you guys going to lead me? Jesus felt a little nervous at that time. Are you guys going to leave me? Because almost everybody else has. Oh, they followed me when I had the fish and bread. They followed me when I healed the sick and raised the dead. And they go, yay, that's good, Jesus. But now that I started dealing with their heart and their relationship with me, they ran. Are you going to run from Jesus because he wants to deal with you about your relationship? Oh, you should be thanking him every day. He loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. Amen. He is messing with you today. And Jesus, I want you to mess with me today. I want you to change my life, my attitude, my perception of life. And he says to them, 
You think I have these crowds because they love me. They don't love me. They love the fish and bread I give them. In one place in Ezekiel, and we won't go to that verse. I'll, I'll let you know when we hit. But in, in Ezekiel, it says that, uh, so they sit, they sit before you while you teach and preach. They sit before you, and they hear your words, but they won't do them. And he says, because they are more concerned about themselves than they are me. That's a paraphrase out of Ezekiel. That's the Lord saying, I wish my people really wanted to be like me again. But sometimes when I don't do the stuff, they get angry at me and they leave. God said to Moses in the Old Testament, he, he said to Moses in Numbers, I think it's chapter 11 or so, or 1411, I, I can't get the address, but I know it's there. He says, Moses, how many more miracles do I need to do for them before they love me? See, you don't have an angry God that's ready to kill them for not loving him, but he's hurt. And he says, I wonder how many more miracles I need to do before you're convinced that I'm the one you should love with all your heart. God, may we be the people that don't require another miracle. But we're going to receive a lot of them. I know that. But, Lord, may we not require them before we love you. May we love you and, therefore, put ourselves in position to receive the miracles. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He, he, He basically didn't just have the word of God and the prophecy of God and the scriptures of God, but somehow or another he he grasped and obtained the heart of God. I got to tell you, as much as you think God is this pious, holy, always in control, ready to get you kind of God, he's very sensitive to you. And he can be hurt by you. He can be grieved by you. He even said to Israel, in Deuteronomy, he says, you're going to leave me and you're going to go out with other gods. You're going to two-time me and worship other gods and it's going to break my heart. But I want you to know that even when you're way out there, the moment you call on me, I'll be right there for you. See, that's not an angry God that's ready to kill us. It's the God that says, oh, they want me back. And I want you to want God back in your life today in a new way. And Jeremiah says it for God and God comes to him and says Jeremiah tell the people tell the abundant life people today I'm talking to the Christians tell them I miss them I miss them running after me like they used to when they were first saved when they were in first love with me nothing mattered except me to them and now almost everything matters and I get last place and and he says Jeremiah Tell them I remember them in their youthfulness when they used to run after me and chase me until they caught me. And when they caught me, they didn't ask me for a bunch of stuff. They just kissed me and hugged me and told me how much they loved me. Some of you in here today, I know you love God, but you hadn't chased him like that in a long time. You haven't pursued him just to hug him and say, my God, you don't have to do a thing for me. I just love you. We've got to return to that if we're going to be victorious in these last days. You can get all the formulas you want. You can go to the Christian bookstores and buy hundreds of books on how to be victorious and how to do this and how to overcome the enemy. And I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying that doesn't work. 
But when you're in love with God, that works. And he says, to ask them, what injustice did I do? Megan, God says to all of us here today, what injustice did I do that they don't follow me anymore and want me? And I, I think God's asking us today, too, where, what did I do wrong that caused you to become discouraged with me or not believe me like you used to? And he says, tell them that I miss them. And, and, and he says to Jeremiah, he even says, it goes further, you can hear the pain of God through Jeremiah. And he says, for even the priest of the temple, the people in leadership, the people who have ministry to the people before God, they don't even ask where is God anymore. They don't ask you where am I. They ask you where are the miracles, where are the people, where's the money, where's the budget. And then God goes further, and you can hear the brokenness. Ink. He says, and the ones that even handle my law and preach my word, they're not asking where is God. They're asking where's my reputation Where's our prosperity? Where's our success? I hear God saying today, not in anger, but in, in desperation because he needs you. I want you to return to me. Jesus, through the spirit of God in Revelation, is speaking of Jesus. And he says, I, I know your works. I know you guys are patient. You're faithful. You, you uh, try those that say they're apostles and they're not. And you, you don't tolerate and compromise. And you've even stayed faithful even when you've been weary. Can I say that most of you in here have remained faithful to God even through some seasons of weariness? I mean, you were worn out and tired and wondering, my God, I don't know if I can go on. And God says, thank you for that. And so Jesus is complimenting the church of Ephesus there in Revelation 2. And then he says, but I have one thing that I'm really concerned about that's really bothering me. You've left your first love. You're not as in love with me as you used to be. I've become old hat to you. I've become a name you throw around when you get desperate. And then he says this. I, I used to get this thing backwards, Pastor. He says, I want you to repent. I want you to remember where you have fallen. I always thought, Eric, for a long time that God was making me go back and remember that sin, that terrible thing I did, that thing that was done to me by someone. Listen, God will never ask you to remember your sin because his son's blood erased your sin. He isn't interested in you going back and, and, and rehearsing how bad you were and what you did 20 years ago or 10 years ago. God's not interested in you doing that. He's not saying go back and remember your sins. He said, go back to where you loved me before you fell. Go back and remember those days where you were so excited that even bad news wasn't bad news to you because you were too in love with me. God, that's what we need today because we, we're surrounded by bad news. We're surrounded by evil reports, bad reports, doctor's reports that don't give anybody any hope for any kind of healing or miracles. And God, let us, let us be so in love with you again today that even bad news is not bad news to us because we believe the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn to Acts 13, 22, and if you don't have your 
your Bible, uh, you can read it off the wall. My mama used to tell me, don't believe things that you see, they're off the wall. But we can do that. <laughs> we can do that today. We can believe stuff that's on the wall. But I want you to see Acts chapter 13, verse 22 and verse 36. And, and, and I'll show you something as we lead into the remaining part of this message. God is speaking there. By the way, it's amazing to me that God could say this about David <clears throat> because after all, David, as great of a king as he was, as great of a shepherd as he was, he was one of the greatest sinners in the world too. I mean, he messed it up royally. Yeah, royally is a good word for him. I mean, he, he not only uh, lusted and, 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 and uh, he, he caused that Bathsheba to come to his place. He drew her, seduced her, basically, because of his authority. I mean, what woman in the kingdom is not going to come over and be overwhelmed and uh, enamored by a, a, the king of Israel? And David takes advantage of her feelings, and he, he has a relationship with her and gets her pregnant. And then he's so ashamed that he doesn't know what to do. And, and uh, so his so-called advisors told him to, uh, to send, uh, get Uriah uh, drunk, if you get her husband drunk when he's home on leave, and then let him go home to his wife while it's still in the first month or so of her pregnancy, <clears throat> then he'll be blamed. He'll be accredited for the baby. So he has Uriah in front of him, and he says... Uh, you need to take a break from the war, go home, <clears throat> go home, drink, get drunk. And he, he even helped him drink. <laughs> and so here he is, even in his drunken state of being. Watch this. I believe people that are drunk and love God better than some Christians are trying to do it. And he says, uh, why don't you go home and have fun with your wife? And he says, oh, no, 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 king. As long as there's anyone jeopardizing your kingdom, I will never give myself to pleasure. I will be out there fighting for you. Can you imagine how low David felt? And then he said, oh, no, it isn't working. And so the, his advisor said, well, I know what you do. Send Uriah to war, only this time put him on the front line and tell his comrades, fellow soldiers, to step back when the war gets heavy. David murdered him. So he's out there, and these guys step back, and Uriah probably collects four or five arrows, spears, swords, whatever, and he's dead. Still didn't remedy the problem at all. Now, here we have God saying this about David because of David's repentance and the way he repented. In verse 22, And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony, and he said this, I have found David the son of Jesse. He is a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Isn't that amazing that God could say that about a person that was so bad? But see, God sees us. Listen to me. God sees you in his perfected work once you become a son or daughter of God. He sees you through the perfected work of Calvary. He sees you as redeemed by the blood. He never sees you in your past. He was there with you, but he always sees you in your future. I wish you'd get that in your heart because some of y'all think God's so disappointed with you and angry with you and frustrated at you and he doesn't believe in you. You've got to know better than that. Why would God come to Gideon who's hiding, by the way, in a wine press that, that, and he's treading wheat in a wine press? You don't tread wheat in a wine press unless you're full of fear. And God comes to him and he says, you know, I can't call you for what you are right now. I will call you for what I see you. Mighty man of valor. 
people, I want you to get ready for God to convince you that you are far greater in his eyes than you let yourself be. Quit cheap-shotting yourself and understand how God sees you today. And we thank you for that, Father. And then in verse 36, it says of David, continuing on with this, uh, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. You know how you become a man or woman after, after God's heart? For one thing, quit thinking, I wish we were back there. Those were the good old days. Or maybe the next few years will get better. No, no, no. Start serving the generation around you with the will of God. Some of you adults, uh, older adults like me, you need, you need to quit despising the craziness and the weirdness of the teenagers of our day and the youth of our day. We need to start serving them because they are God-given to us. We need to ask God to heal our hearts and our attitudes. And some of you young people need to quit making fun of us old people just because we limp or, or do funny things. We need you. You need us. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah to God. I want you to go to one other scripture we're going to uh, come out of mostly the rest of this, this message. 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. What are the characteristics of a man or woman who's after God? See, some of you say, I could never be that kind of man. Yes, you can. All you, all you need to do is, is start chasing God again. Amen. Chase God for who he is. And, uh, and, and, and we can do this. But I want you to see this story. Uh, bringing you into the context of this chapter, Elisha has already been uh, called of God to follow Elijah. Elijah wasn't that comfortable with Elisha following him so close. I tell you, Elisha wanted so much of, of what Elijah had. He, he was so close to him that, that if Elisha made a, a right turn, uh, Elijah it was so tailgating him, he would run into him. I mean, that's how close. He says, I'm going to stay close to this man of God. I want, I want some of you to realize, even today, I'm not so much asking you, I, this isn't a message on behalf of Pastor David, but you, need, you do need to understand this. God will always assign you certain men and women in your life that you need to stay close to. And some of you, you, you will with friends, and that don't count. Friends are good, but you need to stay close to somebody that invests uh, into your uh, future and into your life in a spiritual matter. But in this case, Elisha said, I'm going to stay so close to you. And Elijah kept trying to turn him back, turn him back, turn him back. And Elisha says, oh, no, no, no. As long as I live, as long as I live, <laughs> I will not turn back. I will go uh, with you. And so in this story, this is where we pick up on it. And uh, e Elisha, in, in chapter 2, look at verse uh, 1. Then Elijah went with the Elisha from Gilgal. And then he turned around and said to him, why don't you stay here for the Lord sent me further. But Elisha, I love this attitude and some of you need to have this. He says, uh, he says, I will not leave you. So they both went down to Bethel. He said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I am going to be with you all the way. You need to start saying that to the Lord. I will always be with you. I'm going to follow you. See, most of us depend on God to follow us and to be with us. Well, that's already a given. He is with you. He can never not be with you. But it's you that needs to be with God, see. Some people have God with them. They're not with God. Lord, change our hearts and let us be with God. Let us be for God. He's for us. Let us be for him. Amen. And you go on. And, and Elijah turns around again and says, hey, why don't you stay here uh, 
because I'm going to go on to Jericho in verse 4. And Elisha says the same thing. As your soul lives and, and, and as I live, I will not, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And then it came on even further. And Elisha turned to him. Elijah turned to him and said in verse 6, stay here, stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And you know the answer. Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will leave with you and I will be with you. I want you to make that commitment to God today, to Jesus. I don't want you just to love Jesus when the check is in the mail. I don't want you just to love Jesus more when your son or daughter gets healed. I don't want you to love Jesus more just because the depression's been broken. I want you to love Jesus, period, with all your heart. And that's what God is saying today. And so here, let's, let's look at this chapter a few minutes. Number one, if you're going to be a man or woman after the heart of God, you've got to remember this. You've got to start seeing God as your father, not as your God. He is God. He will always be God. He is holy. He is deity. He is in full control. He's all authority. But I want to tell you something. It grieves God that some of you always pray to him as if he's a God. And you don't understand the power and the sweetness of praying to daddy God. See, you've had rough times in your family and your upbringing or maybe lately and your authority figures have not always been there for you. They didn't always understand you. Some of them actually even hurt you or offended you. But you've got to quit comparing God to them because God isn't them. He is Father God. And he has nothing in his heart for you but love. There's nothing in God's heart today for you but love. And he's given his own son to prove it. And he would continually do that if he needed to. And so, God, we, we want to start addressing you in our spirit and our heart as our Father, not our God only. He's the Father of this church. Uh, look at verse, verse 2 and 6. I just read it. If you're going to be a man or woman after God's heart, you're going to have to follow close to your, your Father. You always need to follow him very closely. I see so many Christians as we travel all over this nation. I see so many Christians that are following God from a distance. They're a member of the church. They are a Christian, but they have no personal, everyday, close intimacy and relationship with God. It's usually a visit on Sundays, and that's pretty much all they have with God. The Lord is asking you. He's not commanding you. He's asking you, I want you to follow me closer this year than you ever have before. I'm going to tell you something, people. What's about to come down the pike in America? I know these guys are saying it's all going to be great, and, and God's going to take care of all this, and eventually he will. But I want to tell you, there's some nasty stuff coming against your family and your house and this city and even against Christians in this city. It's about to happen, and you need to be close to God. Amen. I mean real close to God. God will never say, you're too close to me. God will never say, get out of my face. He'll say, get in my face and get in my heart as well. God, may we follow after you. Quit following your dreams. Quit following your desires. Quit following your ambitions. Those are all great. But follow God with all your heart. Because when you follow God, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And it isn't that he'll give you everything you desire. He'll start putting awesome desires in your heart for you to live by. It'll be greater than your desires. You can't even plan a future for yourself that's as great as what God has for you if you'll follow him with all your might and all your heart today. See, they, 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 uh, he followed closely. This is what happened to Simon Peter. Simon, bold, 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 cut a Roman's ear off, uh, not a Roman, but a, the, uh, centur the soldier's ear 
the uh, Jewish soldier actually cut his ear off, <laughs> trying to cut his head off, bad swordsman, missed his head and got his ear. Jesus said, if we live by your sword, we'll all die by it. Put that thing away. <laughs> but this same guy, as bold as he was, on this particular day, he was a coward. Sunk down into a cowardness. He couldn't face two girls and a third person. He couldn't say, I really love Jesus. Because, see, when you don't follow close to Jesus, you become self-centered. And listen to me, you, some of you are worried more about you and your family and your future and your circumstances than you are with Jesus. And that's because you're not close enough to him. You're saved. You'll go to heaven. How many of you know there will be a lot of people in heaven that didn't, didn't follow Jesus very close at all? Thank God through grace. But your family needs you to follow Jesus closer than you have this year. And the Bible says Peter followed Jesus from a distance. Matthew 26, I think verse 68. He followed Jesus from a distance. And because of that, he sat down to see the end. Many of you in this last year have just kind of said, there's nothing we can do about it. I just hope God intervenes. And you sit down and you watch the end of a person's life or you watch the end of an of a, of a era of time where you used to have something and Satan took it away and you're just sitting there watching the end. And God says, I have something better for you. If you'll follow close to me, there won't be an end. It'll be beginnings. Always God gives new beginnings when you're close to him. Even the death of Jesus wasn't the end, was it? It was the beginning of a new life for all of us. The second thing you need to know today is if you're going to be a man or woman after God, you ought to share in the uh, Father's victories or miracles. I love this. Down in the verses there, you'll read where as Elisha and Elijah were going, they came to the Jordan River, and all of a sudden they said, whoa, we can't go across. But Elijah knew something. He had authority and power, and he had a commission of God. And he took his mantle, and he struck the water. I love the way King James puts it, the Bible. And it parted this away and that away. I don't know if King James had a list, but I do. <laughs> that the way and that the way. And what I love about it, listen to this, guys. Hi. How are you? It's good to meet you. What's your name? Emma. That's what I thought. <laughs> Emma. Emma, you guys. I, they were asking me, and I, I, I no. Here, here's the deal. Hey, lady. Wow. A lady that I, we've loved for years that we've known way down in Florida just came in the door. Gia, I love you, girl. Good to see you. Thank you. Yeah, Brother John, I interrupt the whole message for that. They, thank you. Patty. Here's what it says. And they both walked across. Why do you think God would be a God that does miracles and doesn't want you to enjoy them with him. I want some of y'all to quit crying and begging and pleading with God. Please give us a miracle. Give us a God's saying to you today, I want you to start enjoying some miracles that you haven't even prayed for. You don't even know what you need, but I'm going to start bringing miracles. Some of y'all need to say amen to that. God's about to bring miracles to your family and to your life and to you personally that you haven't even prayed for. Elisha didn't have the power, but Elijah said, hey, walk across in my power. 
Lord, may we start walking in your power this year and not just by what we can obtain and what we can gain and what we can uh, succeed in. God, let the miracles come and may we start enjoying them with you. God always wants his church to enjoy his miracles with him. The world can only enjoy miracles that he gives to them. We get to enjoy the miracles with God. And so, God, we're going to be that close to you. And if you go across the Jordan, we're going across. If you, if you fly over a mountain, we're flying with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And always remember this. Men and women who are after God's own heart always seek their Father's anointing and ministry. Christians, hear me carefully. This is one of the downfalls that I see in the modern church most Christians come and they get their little blessing or they get their spanking or they get whatever they need on that service and they don't realize that there's an anointing power that God wants to give to everyone in this building that professes Jesus Christ as Lord. It's not a theological power. It's not a seminary power. It is the power of the Lord Jesus himself. And some of you guys have people in your own family that need miracles, and you're wondering, how do I get them to a miracle worker? And I ask God to heal you because God has changed you to become one of those miracle workers. If you'd only believe it, it's not about your, your expertise. It's not about how excellent you say something. It's the fact that Jesus said, greater works than these shall all of you do that follow me. Greater works. God let us. Begin to seek your anointing. Here's what Elisha said to Elijah in that passage of Scripture. You'll read it just a little ways down there. Elijah finally turned around and said, Why are you following me so close? Okay, what do you want already? What do you need from me? And Elisha said, I'll tell you what I want. I want the double anointing that you have. Now listen, I know I've heard preachers preach it, and I have too. Yep, and that's what God did. Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah, and that's pretty, pretty much the truth. But that's not what he was asking for. When you ask for the double anointing, especially in the Hebrew culture, you're asking for the anointing of the firstborn. See, the first, why did they fight over birthrights all the time? Because the firstborn always got double. They got the double stuff. That's why Jacob, Esau, Jacob fought Esau. He wanted the double. He wanted the big anointing. God, let us want the big anointing. Let us quit following and trying to get the anointing of Cindy Jakes or, 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 or uh, uh, Joyce Myers or T.D. Jakes or, uh, or any other, uh, Benny Hinn or Jack Hafer. Lord, let us quit settling for their anointing. We're going after the double anointing. What is the double anointing? The anointing of the firstborn, Dean. And the firstborn is Jesus. He's the firstborn of many brothers. And Jesus, I'm wanting your anointing. I don't want a man's anointing. I don't want four square anointing. I don't want any denominational anointing. I want the anointing of him himself. His name is Jesus. And he's the one that said, greater works than these will you do because I go to my daddy. Jesus is the only elder brother that never was jealous about us getting an inheritance. He was saying, yay, God, give them all of my inheritance, for now they become joint heirs with me. I love them having my power and my glory. You're not going to offend Jesus if you become a miracle worker. You'll bless him if you do. Lord, help us understand this today. And, and Elijah turns to him, and this is what trips people up. He said, boy... You've asked a very hard thing there. How dare you ask God something like that? No, no, no. Sometimes King James and, and the versions don't quite give us uh, the true uh, meaning of a verse. What that verse is actually saying, if you go back to the original text, Elijah's saying, you've asked a very notable and high and worthy thing. 
At least you're not just asking, can you heal my leg? Can you, can you give me some money? Can you make me have peace? Where I've, You're not asking for me to do something for you, but you just asked a great thing there. You want the anointing of the firstborn so that you can become a man of power. I want you to know God's not saying to you, how dare you ask me for something that great. Ask God for all the greatness he has. Ask him and he'll say, yes, thank you that you asked me. I want you to have it. And then, and then we, we misconstrue also what Elijah said when he said, uh, but you better see me when I go. You better have your eyes open. You better see me getting that chariot. We don't even know if he really rode in the chariot. We assume he did, and it sounds like he did. It doesn't say he did, but hey, either way, there was a chariot involved. He wasn't saying, you better have your eye on me, and you better see me when I leave. In the original text, it's this. Luke, he's saying, if you're going to move in this kind of power that you just asked for, Elijah saying it to Elisha, you've got to see me gone. You've got to realize I'm not here anymore. Some of y'all wish you were in the Bible days so you could follow Jesus around and watch him do his stuff. And Jesus said, you know what? It's for your good that I leave. I'm leaving because if I don't leave, you'll always watch me do it, but you won't start doing it. I want some of y'all to quit thinking that Jesus has forsaken you. I wish you were here. He is here. He's inside of you. And he said, I want you to do as many miracles as I did because I'm inside of you. But you've got to see Jesus has gone. Not let, he's still our Lord. He's still in here and he's still Lord there. But right now, his ambassadors are sitting in these chairs right here. Now you are my ambassadors. Therefore, you go with the power. Brother Tim, you got the power, man. You got the power. Jesus says you need to release it. Use it. Demonstrate it. Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? That's not your business. Your business is to obey God and, 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 and start giving opportunity for the power to be seen. This church has to create an environment in your uh, every, day, every week meetings. In fact, really, the day will come where you'll feel bad if y'all don't have some miracles going on uh, in this church. I mean, real miracles right in front of your eyes. That day is coming where this church will never have days without miracles happening right in front of everybody's eyes. God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. That day's coming here. But Lord, let the people here start seeking the anointing of the firstborn. I know you have idols and you have people that you respect and you look up to. Nothing wrong with that. Somebody asked me, what do you want to be? And that, this was only a few years ago in ministry. What do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I am grown up. <laughs> they wanted me to say Jack Hayford or T.D. Jakes or Benny. I said, I don't want to be like anybody. I want to be like Jesus. Amen. I want to be so much like Jesus that people actually get me mixed up with him. Had a, we, we were doing a very elaborate, uh, sophisticated... How long do I have, brother? Another 10 minutes? Yeah. 10 minutes? How many of you give me 10 more minutes? <laughs> no, don't do that. I'll start... Ca- I know it. I know it. Uh, but we were at this sophisticated, very elaborate, richy wedding I was doing. And so we got the wedding done, and we we're now going to the uh, reception or whatever. And uh, all this grand table, and I'm going, wow, man, I'm in the, Helen and I are very important here. And this little five-year-old kid comes and sits by me. I said, kid, get out of here, man. You don't, you don't belong here. This is for the elite. Go, go. <laughs> I didn't really say that to him. I was thinking it out loud, though. And that kid, all, all of a sudden, just before I was going to tell him, you need to 
he, he actually was a son, I didn't know, uh, of a relative. Of, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, are you God? And he started trembling. Are you God? And I said, yes. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, no, honest to God, I didn't. I said, no, but I sure love him. And, uh, but see, I, I want you to live that kind of life where people don't look at you and say, oh, that's that guy. That's that girl. I, I love the thing in the, in the Bible where it says the disciples, the, the people that were around, they said, oh, those are just those stinking fishermen. They're unlearned. They're untrained. They don't know anything. But one thing we know, they've been with Jesus. Please start loving Jesus so much in your life that people will realize those people have been with Jesus. And then let me give a couple more here. We got a, about two more minutes, actually. Um, people that follow after God with all their heart always receive God's gifts. Don't refuse the gifts of God this year. Don't, don't become religious and doctrinal. Don't say, well, my daddy didn't believe in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and the gifts, and so I can't believe in it too. Don't let anybody talk you out of the now moving of the Holy Ghost in your life with the evidences and signs and wonders. Don't do that because if you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart, don't ever refuse his gifts. Don't ever put your little wisdom box, I would call it carnal knowledge, over God and say, oh, I don't believe in that. No, no, no. God, anything that you give me, I need it and I want it. You understand that, right? Always. In fact, I'll, I'll close it with this, and we'll, uh, you can get the last part of this uh, later through the second service tape or whatever. But when it comes to receiving the gifts of God, here's what Elisha did. Once he saw Elijah leave, he knew that his day was over in earth, and my day just started. And so this mantle started floating down from heaven. No power in a mantle, but in this case, there was significant power in how they received it. And here's what Elisha did. He tore his own outer garments in two. He ripped them because sometimes Jesus saves you and redeems you. And then when you get nervous or you don't know he's, if he's really doing his stuff, you'll put your old garments back on. You need to rip them up. And he took that new anointing. He said, man, I've got to live in this new anointing. Please understand, God grieves and cries when you stick the mantle of anointing and gifts and of the Holy Ghost on your little theological shelf and you refuse to wear it because you might be embarrassed or you don't understand it. Some people basically don't move in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because they're afraid of it or they don't understand it. But I'm telling you today, by the Spirit of God, my Lord is saying to you today, I want you not to resist my gifts because they're not going to hurt you but they're going to empower you, and they're going to help you not only have victory, but they'll probably help some of your loved ones experience miracles because you have the gifts. Would you stand? And let me just have a prayer, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. If you're like me, and please, if you're a guest and you're not, you're saying, man, that guy's crazy, uh, just raise your hands anyway. It don't matter. <laughs> no, no. Uh, if you at least would say to the Lord, and by the way, he's, he is gentle, and he's not going to throw you into something that confuses you and scares you. Uh, God knows how to deal with each person where you are, and he'll lead you from where you are. But if you at least want to say, you know, I, I can see in my own life, I, I got to quit just being me. I, I need to follow after Jesus in a new way this year. 
I need a new dimension of that power, that victory, that anointing, that cleansing. I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. I'm not even going to make this uh, uh, look at you and make you come down to an altar today. I, I want to because Jesus loves you so much. He wants you to be in his kingdom. He really does. He's not afraid of embarrassing you, uh, basically, because he loves you so much. But I do want you, even if you're not saved yet, if you don't even really know Jesus, it's hard to live in power if you don't receive his gift. And the main gift is salvation, being saved, being redeemed by his blood. But all of us, if you want to follow after Jesus like never before, and you want to pursue him and move into the dimensions of being a man or woman after God's own heart, just raise your hands right now. Just raise your hands to the Lord. Jesus Christ, here we are. We raise our hands to you because we want to follow after you. We want to pursue you. We want to be close to you. Lord Jesus, we want to become so much like you that even the world would begin to chase after us wanting miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus, I pray that if there's anybody in here right now that needs you as their Lord and Savior, I praise you that that mantle, whoever you are, there's three people, I think. There's a mantle of God right now. You don't see it, but in the Spirit, I do. And that mantle is falling upon you right now. It's resting upon you. And that mantle has salvation in it. It has deliverance in it. It has your healing and your future in it. Don't be afraid of it. Just say to Jesus, I receive your anointing right now. I receive the ability to be saved and redeemed and filled with your power. I receive from you today, Jesus. We thank you for all you've given to us. Would you just give the Lord a praise offering today with me and thank him for the gifts. Thank him that you can follow him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you're still standing, we're going to... Um dismiss here just in a few moments. I'm going to kind of audible things real quick so that you guys can get back to have the, the, the party for the kids. We're going to be coming back. Don't forget, please stop by the fellowship hall so that you can grab a snack and celebration, but I'm going to have somebody else pray so that you guys can go do that. Is that okay? All right, cool. Um, I, do, I want us to respond. I want the ushers, guys, you can go ahead and start passing the, um, the offering baskets there uh, so that we can give and bless the ministry of John and Helen Jenkins. It was a good word, amen. I want to be close to God, closer than I ever have. I want Jesus, you guys can go ahead. I want Jesus to be more real over the coming months, over the coming days, weeks, years. I want to be closer to him than I ever have been. I believe that's the, the cry of all of our hearts, really. Um, but we need, we need to do it, right? Just, we need to do it. I believe the way we need to um, conclude here, Brother John had us to raise our hands and to respond to the Lord in that way. But I'm going to ask if, um, Matt and Jen, I'm going to have you guys close in prayer. Luke and Emma, if you guys will be available to pray. Miss Vicki, if you'll be available to pray. And um, Larry and Gail and Dwayne. If you guys will just be available to pray with people, and you guys can stay where you are, Larry and Gail and uh, Dwayne, and then if you guys will be up front that way on the way out, you can capture some people back there. Um, but stop at one of these people and say, you know what, I just, I want you to pray over me. One, you believe there were three people that needed to receive Jesus as Savior today. If that's you, come and see one of these folks and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. We have a Bible that we want to be able to give you to lead you into a close relationship.